know if you all have noticed this, but something is wrong right now. (laughs) Something is terribly wrong. And uh, this feeling of wrongness will sometimes wake me up in the middle of the night. It will often cause me in the middle of the day to go, (sighs) like deep sighs, right? Um, There's a heaviness in my body. I don't know about you. Um, I just feel like a little disoriented right now. There is something terribly wrong. And I will try to pinpoint the problem, which is hard to do, but it's like I can feel it in my bones. I will sometimes try to rationalize these feelings, these (sighs) deep sighs in the middle of the day. Um, I will say to myself in my head, well, yeah, we're in a pandemic. Or I'll say, yeah, there's a constantly like breaking bad news cycle going on every time I look at the news. I will say, well, yeah, of course it feels that way. Our world is deeply divided right now. I'll blame it on sort of the constant chaos of social media or the fighting among politicians. Um, I'll I'll try to tell myself sometimes like in the rationalizing side of things, I'll say, this is nothing new. Like, there's always been things going on in the world. This isn't any different. But even with all these stories I'm telling myself, all these rationalizing, uh, it's like I know inside, ah, that's not really the full story, that there is something very wrong. And certainly all the big things that are going on in our world don't help, (laughs) right? Of course those are cause for anxiety and just a heaviness and lots of unanswered questions. But the wrongness that I'm sensing, it's not really about what is going on. We all know about that stuff. I think it has to do with what is not going on. I'm not just heavy about all the things that have happened in our world and are happening in our world. I'm also heavy about the thing that's not happening enough in our world. The real problem is not what is surrounding us, but rather what is not surrounding us. The thing that is not happening, the thing that is not here right now, is kindness. It's like this gaping hole in our world. It's like this massive void in our collective humanity. It's like this absence of compassion, this total poverty of empathy. It's like this basic lacking of human decency seemingly everywhere we turn. It kind of seems like genuinely kind people are becoming an endangered species. Now, maybe kindness is absolutely present. It's just not getting enough airtime. Maybe kindness is absolutely as present as it has ever been, but it's just getting, like, drowned out by all the chaotic headlines, all the constant drama, the seemingly unnecessary cruelty that just keeps, like, capturing our attention and causing us to read and look and obsess and focus on. 
But whatever the, whatever the reality is, whatever it is, it seems that the, the end result, the net result, is we just, we, it's like we have too many wounds and not enough healers right now. The demand of pain in our world is far exceeding the amount of comfort being offered. And that's why our passage in the gospel is so powerful today. Because I want you to just listen to how Jesus, the kind physician, prioritizes healing in this moment. This comes from Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed by, with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Just notice this pro progression. They come to Jesus and tell him about this need. And he goes to this woman. And he reaches out his hand. And he lifts her up. Then he goes out and prays. But notice that the first thing Jesus does is kind. It is to go to her. It is to take her hand. It is to lift her up. Maybe talking about kindness, like right now in our world, maybe it seems a little passe or irrelevant or understated. Like, in light of all the real problems we're facing, we're going to talk about kindness. But that's exactly why I think we need to. Because cynicism is absolutely addictive. Like, once cynicism takes root in you, once sarcasm takes root in you, it is just hard to get those things out of your blood system. They're not easily flushed out. When we get polluted with a pessimism, it's hard to fix. When we become fluent in the language of sarcasm, it, be, it just becomes hard to speak the simple language of love and kindness. And we need kindness right now. Because here's the thing, everyone, everywhere, on every side, of every divide, is experiencing some pain. There are a lot of wounds. There's a lot of hurt. 
There are times where I will be talking to someone, or I will be reading something, or I will be on the phone with someone. And some of you have heard me say this, like right in the middle of the conversation, I'll just say, pain, pain, pain. Right? What else can you say? It's a pain, 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 so much pain. Literally, like people are crying out to be seen and heard and known and cared about. I was inspired about this priority of kindness by an author and pastor named Don Pavlovitz, who recently wrote these words. And I love this so much how he says this. We so need a renaissance of goodness to be ushered in right now. We need a fierce revival of decency that sandblasts off the negativity and breaks open all these battle-hardened hearts, allowing us to be softer toward one another again. We need an army of steadfast, single-minded souls who wake every morning looking for the gaps in the world of gentleness and decency and who will not rest until they fill them exhaustion and bruises and discomfort be dimmed. The world is crying out for courageous people to step into the brutal and bloody trenches armed with the pressing agenda to see those who feel invisible, to listen to those dying to be understood, to embrace those who imagine themselves unlovable, to carry those who cannot take the step in front of them. We need kind people right now. So bad we need kindness. We have too many wounds, not enough healers, and the demand of pain is just far out exceeding the supply of comfort. We need more people who will be willing to follow the simple way of love, the way of Jesus, the one who heard that she was sick and then went to her and took her hand and lifted her up. We need more kind people because the thing is, kindness, it holds a sort of a superpower. Kindness is one of the fruit of God's spirit. God's spirit who dwells within you is made manifest when you show kindness. Kindness can de-escalate the angry. It can disarm the defensive. It can heal the hurting. And it can say, I see you to someone who feels unseen and unheard and all alone and totally isolated. If we're going to be known for anything, I hope it is that we are kind. You know, like I don't even I don't even care if anything I ever say makes any sense if I'm not known for being kind. I don't care what I amass or what resume I build if I'm not known for being kind. I would prefer like our church just like close the doors and shut down if we're not known for being kind. First and foremost, the fruit of God's Holy Spirit evidence in our lives. The Bible actually says, this is such a cool thing, that the kindness of God leads to repentance. The 
his kindness is a path that leads us to repentance, that leads us to Jesus. And the thing about kindness is it is a two-way street, something you can both give and something you can receive. And a while ago, uh, we were down in Arizona. My son got a sunburn, and I went to, like, the local pharmacy CVS place to get some aloe. And I, uh, I was standing in line. There was a little bit of a line, and I get up there to pay, and um, my chip did not work on my credit card. It was the only form of payment I had. And so I had this really awkward, like, embarrassing moment um, where, you know, the guy's like, it's not working, it's not working. I'm like, I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's good, you know. Um, and there's no, I'm like, can you do a manually, you know, <laughs> this moment of conversation. All of a sudden, the guy behind me, the stranger, random stranger, he's like, no worries, I got you. Do you know what I did immediately? Tried to refuse his kindness, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Right? Oh, no, no, it's not. And then he's like insisting, no, I got you, no big deal, right? And um, <laughs> I go so far as to be like, okay, well, then can I Venmo you? Like, do you have a cash app? Do you do Zelle? I'm <laughs> having this whole thing. And I was like replaying the story in my mind after it happened, and I was thinking like, such a little lesson for me. Like what? Kindness is only good when I give it? In fact, the true test of the purity of kindness as a virtue of God's Holy Spirit being made like manifest in me is, is it a two-way street? Because if I was that guy, I would want to say to me, standing in line, holding the aloe, why won't you want me to be kind to you? I'm just, I just want to be kind to you. It's, it's a two-way street. The Apostle Paul says it's a pathway, you know? It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, that begins this relationship. And it can be traveled in more than one way. Okay, last thing about our passage for today is we see this pattern in the life of Jesus where Jesus, uh, he extends himself and then he retreats. There's this pattern in the life of Christ where it, it's like there's a sacrifice of giving, and then there's a cycle of renewal. There's a giving out, and then there's a retreating away in silence to pray. And we see this throughout the life of Christ. Engage, disengage. Give, receive. Sacrifice, renewal. Many of us, when we think about, like, who are some of the most um, kind people historically, you know, think of someone like Mother Teresa, right? We just, like, marvel at her life. Mother Teresa is remembered for her kindness, for how much she served, for how much she gave. But what many people do not realize about Mother Teresa is just how much she would break away and how much she would require the sisters who served alongside her to retreat as well after a season of giving. Listen to this. Um, it's the rule of life that Mother Teresa had for herself and for the nuns who served the dying of Calcutta along with her. The sisters shall spend one day in every week, one week in every month, one month in every year, one year in every six years in the mother house where in contemplations and penance together with solitude, she, 
to gather in the spiritual strength, which she might have used up in the service of the faith. Can you imagine that? One day, one Sabbath day, every week, one week, every month, one month, every year, one year, every seven years. Like, sounds so extreme, doesn't it? But do you ever wonder, how did Mother Teresa stay present all that time without giving in to despair, without giving in and being taken over by cynicism? There's so many needs. There's so much pain. So many people dying. Well, she followed this simple rhythm that Jesus shows us as well in this passage, where he would offer healing and then he would go off to pray. And every one of us, whether we have eyes to see it right now or not, is serving in a land of dying and despair. <laughs> Whatever you do every day, wherever you go, whether that's in your home, your neighborhood, kids at home, kids at school, going to office, not going to office, getting on Zoom, whether we have eyes to see it or not, there is diseases of despair all around us. And what is so desperately needed is kindness. And yet consistently, it's like we, we kind of, I think, underestimate just the emotional and spiritual life that's flowing out of each of us right now because it's easy to say, but yeah, we have all this extra time. All these things have been canceled. And yet there's an emotional, spiritual life that is flowing out. So let me ask you, like, how aware are you of the life that is flowing out of you to others right now? Our bodies are like major prophets trying to, they're not minor prophets, they're like major prophets trying to tell us stuff. What's my body saying to me about what's flowing out and what's flowing in? And am I willing to work out my rhythms right now that just can't be the same as they were a year ago? Have to be reevaluated. It's a different world, it's a different day. What adjustments might God be inviting you and I to make in our rhythms, our practices, like daily and weekly and monthly and annually? Remember, we can't give what we don't possess. We can only give what we do possess. And this is why Jesus was like a lot. Engage and then disengage. Give and receive sacrifice and then renewal it was the cycle of his ministry and remember i i often remind myself like when jesus ended his ministry here on earth there were still people who were sick there were still people who were possessed by evil spirits so even jesus didn't heal everybody he did what the father gave him to do nothing more nothing less jesus kind of he chose us the best version of being human and a piece of that is accepting the limits like even jesus didn't meet every need but there were limits so he did what the father 
gave him to do nothing more, nothing less. Each and every day, you and I are, in a way, like we're waking up each day to a world full of bloody, wounded, war-torn people who are pain, pain, pain. Lots of pain. A world of people literally like starving for a little kindness. Our world is hurting. People around us are hurting. And more than ever, we need kind people to show up in the spaces that you occupy. We need kind Republicans. We need kind Democrats. We need kind people on every side of every divide that exists in our world right now. See, here's the thing. Yes, something is wrong. Something is very wrong. And we're here. And we are the body of Christ. The kindness of God indwells you, resides in you. So may you be the very incarnational presence of Jesus in a hurting and pain-filled world right now. May you remember that a kind word a kind presence, a kind conversation, or note, or gift, or walk, or phone call has a special power. It's stronger than a cleverly crafted argument. It is stronger than a well-thought-out theory. And I think whatever else God may be calling us to in our life, I think he's all calling all of us to kindness right now. Let's pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it is the kindness of God that has led us to you. Would you show us what it would mean to follow you into the needs, the pain, the hurt of people around us? Would you help us to receive kindness from you that we might extend kindness to others? We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody everywhere said, Amen.